level up and we know how to witchcraft today we might even be educational i'm not entirely sure whether we're going to be educational quick let's say something educational um don't eat yellow uh, snow don't eat yellow snow don't spit into the wind uh can we have a third educational thing um don't become you a witch you can always trust people to act within their nature. There we go. So, what's this story about this Cersei? And is it the Cersei we know, or is it a different Cersei? Cersei Dreamland? Or is it the original <laughs> one? The original Cersei. Original Cersei. What is the story of the original Cersei? Is that the one with the pigs in it? Yeah. yeah. With the squealers? Something about a bunch of police go to the island? No. All these, well, what's that about police on an island then? Police on an island? Yeah, something about she had an island full of police officers. Pigs or something. No, not those kind of pigs, Liam. What sort of pigs is it? <laughs> I'm not, not even oil. sure. I'm not even sure our, our you know, foreign friends would even, even know or would even use the phrase pigs as police officers. No, they not call them yeah, squealers. No. They call them cops, don't they? In America, cops. Yeah. If our American friends don't know what a squealer is, basically, you know that the police cars they go like, Nino, Nino. they squeal, don't they? So squealers are police officers because they squeal. Actually, you could consider them to be emergency services. However, you will find that different emergency service vehicles have different sirens. And I believe, from what I remember, those specific sirens vary depending on, I think the ambulance ones used to vary depending on what hospital they come from or what hospital they're going to. Because you, the public, are supposed to know what direction the ambulance is going in. <laughs> Which is probably why they scrapped that idea. But there we go. So, the story of Cersei, the ill-tempered botanist. It's a yeah, classic, so it? it is a classic. So it's from um, Homer's Odyssey. So it's one of the things that stops uh, Odysseus getting home quick enough on his return oh. after the fall of Troy. Which so episode one of, of one the Simpsons things... was that? Why are you wow. shaking your head? They can't see. No, but you can see me shout. It's you know shaking my head in disappointment. Um, Why are you shaking your head with disappointment? You said this is going to be it might be educational, and then you start talking about the Simpsons. Okay, well, for those that want to know, it was uh, series one, episode three, because the Simpsons did actually do a Homer's Odyssey. I don't know if you knew that. No, did they? I never I saw mean, that one. They had to, didn't they? No. Yeah, I suppose. Everyone else rips off the classics. Why wouldn't Matt Grenning? <laughs> um, so yeah, so the obviously the point, the classical point that was trying to be made was obviously about um, this. Well, she's described. She's described essentially as a witch. Um, she's not she's not referred to uh, or an enchantress she's not actually until much later she kind of becomes a goddess um but you know to a certain extent she would probably classify as a demigod um oh. but she was essentially deified later um she wasn't she wasn't always a goddess so um, some form of magical practitioner who has their own island, like yeah. Fort Park, except less fun. Presumably, if you went there, you would not be having a fun, no? I don't know. The question is whether or not you'd care. Like, you know, they were all given magical uh, potions in order to make them not be aware of anything that was going on. So, um, Careful, your ethics are showing again. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things. If everyone thinks they're having a great time and isn't aware of the fact they're slowly, slowly being, you know, having their brains eaten by something parasitic, it wouldn't 
wouldn't technically any of them would technically be aware of it would they so no, does it really mean they've had get, a bad time you can say that about people that end up getting their drinks spiked in clubs and such like that i mean they're not aware of it but i still think it's immoral it may be but what's whose morals are that based on uh society because you, you can be prosecuted for uh date rape and such in this century chris at least you can in the uk i don't know about other places yes but date date raping drugs you're out of it so can't it have an experience this is saying you're having a pleasurable experience. What, well, as a pig on an island? Yeah. Now as happy as a pig in muck, Liam. Mm. Okay. This is uh, descending quickly. So, uh, can we rescue it? Let's talk about something practical. Well, Is it one of your favourite stories? Do you like that story of Cersei? I mean, it's very archetypical, classic witch. She'd be referred to as a classic witch, I guess, wouldn't she? Like the old witch of Endor and such. Yeah, definitely. She definitely fits that category. Oh. But what is, in your opinion, a classical witch? What is the archetype there? Um, for me, it's a case of predate, you know, using a practice that is um, earthly. But not in a let's hug a tree way, but as is um, solid in the in what is the core of physical magic, I guess, of um, grounded earth based practice. For me, it's about I'm a human with a lot of power is my way or the highway. That's what classical witchcraft says to me. Because it seems to be that's the kind of archetype of the person that practices it at least that's what survives anyway i mean it's not like what a lot of these people would seem to have you believe is the modern neo pagan kind of priest priestesshood and all that which is all kind of normally love and lighty nicey nicey when you look back at kind of the famous examples of actual famous practitioners whether it be from classics or whether it be real life ones then they tend to have a little bit of guts and kind of personality don't they yeah well that's because they've got power therefore are capable of building or forging their own path and i think that's what's often kind of forgotten when it comes to modern craft so modern craft everybody's trying to follow what sounds the coolest generally speaking um whereas you know the classical witch is someone yes they may have a um they may have a practice that involves a deity potentially mm. but that's not going to be worship in the way that we would consider today where you're a begging mm. magic in that sense um in the classical world you're keeping deities happy all the time mm. not just when you want something so that essentially you've already paid the debt mm. when you want something to happen that is beyond your power but you you know the classical which obviously could carve out their own space in the world um you just had to be fear <laughs> feared enough that nobody wanted to come knocking um so you know whereas nowadays um, going to the witch's kind of last resort, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the so classical and ancient practice. There was it was very culty, but the old-fashioned term of the cult. So I suppose practitioners and such, they might not necessarily be famous, but the mantle that they would hold would probably be quite famous. Whereas classical witchcraft and that from a literary perspective seems to be very much about independent personalities that have their own practice and are sought out because they have their own practice. They're an expert or they're renowned for a specific thing. They're not like, oh, this is the such and such person that's generate um, this generation that's come out of Hogwarts type thing. It's literally like they've 
got and developed their own practice they're famous for their own thing and sometimes it's natural ability and the ability um from some kind of divine lineage and stuff like demigods and stuff like that might be like abilities and powers and stuff that they've just got because they're demigods but there's got to be personality to it there's always some sort of personality to it yeah kind of getting back to the kind of herb part of it which is why mm. um why i'd kind of subtitle you know why we'd gone about ill-tempered botanist mm. um is because obviously with you know with odysseus's men in the story of circe obviously he's drugged well odysseus isn't but the the rest of the the crew are drugged by a, a, a magical plant it's mm. never said what it is but a magical plant drugs them um it's kind of hidden by the taste of i think it was barley and honey or something like that in the wine um it'd been some kind of yeah um but the interesting part of it is there's the fix to it is also a herb mm. So Odysseus is given a special herb from Hermes who um, allows him to go in and not be affected by the, the original drug, which is quite nice in that kind of balance of, um, you know, herb and antidote, you know, baneful herb and an antidote. Mm. Um, but obviously that's kind of why Circe is considered as dangerous as she is, is because she's a viper, you know. Um, so they need an antidote to deal with the, the viper's bite. Um, when you say viper, do you mean she's going through the ven menopause? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Or has she always been a viper? Do you think she was nicer when she were younger? Or do you think that it was something to do with hormones and shit? Um, I don't know. She's daughter of she's daughter of a sun god, for God's sake. So what would you Probably would a you big say? ego, man. You know? So... Although you never really hear a massive amount about Helios, mm. um, other than his sun chariot, you don't really get a massive a massive amount discussed about him. Favourite of um, yours, though, isn't he, as far as sun gods go? Yes, I much prefer Helios to your mate Apollo, but that's just my personal right, we're taste. We're not exactly mates, you know. It's just that I've worked with him and he's answered the call enough times. So, no. you know... Sometimes it's best to stick to what you know. Yeah. Also, because he looks pretty in a in a toga, like that's about it. When he wears it, yeah. <laughs> so, don't no good trying to fool me, love. Like I know you, girl. <laughs> Fuck all, all to do with answered my call, bollocks. <laughs> he answered my booty call. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. Anyway, so are we going to talk about herbs then in this or something? There's well, like I don't... a special one that's um, well, it's not really a herb, but it is a, some sort of compound and such from monkfish, in it, where they turn people into zombies. I forget oh, yeah. what it's called. It's the one where they make the zombie powder, which you blow in people's faces, and then they basically appear to die. That slows the heart rate down. And then people think that they're dead, so they bury them, and then they kind of get dug up by a practitioner and such so it basically kills off brain cells and stuff and puts them in some sort of suggestible state that you can i was going to say it also of. makes them very very suggestible doesn't it yeah but no i mean it's uh, a scary thing in it a zombification that's legit you can do it i really wanted to sell some of that powder in the under under the counter of witchcraft shop but i was never able to get my hands on it or was I? I don't know. But I suppose people could make inquiries if they really wanted to. Anyway, Chris, what herbs would you like to talk about and such? Anything in particular? Are we talking about specific herbs? Are we talking about formulas? How to turn well, people into pigs? It makes, it makes sense to kind of think about kind of herbs of transformation is kind of one is one way to approach that the other one is kind of ill-tempered botanist kind of sounds baneful mm. um and kind of having a chat potentially about those short-tempered teachers uh, yeah maybe 
very often people that are very good at something are very good at that thing that doesn't necessarily mean that they like to teach or are any good at teaching oh definitely but we could go we could go on and on and on about that from a mentorship point of view um and talk about how some individuals make very bad students other other people make very bad very bad mentors mm. and i think there's a balance that has to in another episode if you like yeah there's a balance mentor, that has to be struck mental mentoring yes <laughs> the madness of mentoring the madness of mentoring i'll add it to the list so but yeah the um i don't know it depends do you want to start with baneful baneful first or kind of mythical mythical plants of transformation um you could say that tree of life is a big one of those in the garden of eden you know mm. um, the tree one... of knowledge of good and evil yeah how could one fruit cause so much trouble eh mm. and they want you to eat five a day i know five lots of trouble a day it's an imbalance in it so basically what are you having three lots of the trouble and two lots of the good or two lots of the trouble and three lots of the good it depends <laughs> i refused a banana today i really hate i really hate bananas does goodness and morality repeat on you as well <laughs> <laughs> i mean they say the bad stuff happens three times or something isn't it uh good and bad luck comes in threes mm. okay so i have a question question that a lot of people i think have but they don't tend to ask it which i'm always surprised at and that is that if i hear of some sort of plant or herb or formula or potion or something like that whether it's in literature whether it be from legend whether it be carved on some temple wall or something like that how dost thou find out what the actual formula is What's the go-to for you? And What's how would you answer that question if a, if a random person at a psychic fair came up to you and said, how would one find out this? What are your, go on, teach, um, us, teach us. Well, there's the mundane way. Yeah. Of, there is the mundane way of figuring out exactly what those representatives are. Now, some of those you might not be able to find on the basis that they're not in some compendium for you to go and discover um, because people haven't written them down or they were kind of irregular enough. Um, kind of you have in um, Egyptian temples, there are lots of depictions of gardens, uh, mm. medicinal gardens. And you've got to be able to decode those mm. stylized representations of 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 um, those individual plants or trees or whatever it is available. Um, you know, one way about it is that is kind of going the very kind of detective way, trying to figure out exactly what what those things represent. Um, lots of people will go down the kind of folklore route. And they'll go and look at oh well we used to call this that now it's mm. called this and they kind of go from like human experience and what bits and pieces have been written down me personally i'd probably go the um the intuitive method as i normally would and kind of spend time with each of those um if it has to start with the image because you don't have any um residue like mm. you know it's one thing if you discovered a plant and didn't know what it was um it's mm. a bit different if you're discovering a drawing or a written account of a plant that you've never met before um so yeah so i would probably go through that sort of route kind of a um an astral exploration of what that thing was um and kind of go from there um but that's just because that's how my brain naturally works mm. it's kind of going Oh, okay well i'll figure this out like lots of people make kefir i know we've talked about that before yeah but um you know there's lots of people that would 
go an experimental route of well i know what these these eight are um i'll just experiment my way till the to get to the 15 ingredients or the 16 ingredients that most of them have got um whereas you know equally i'm more likely to go down the route of stripping those back and kind of going closer to a four a thieves vinegar kind of process of going well actually do i need 20 things that say could be said by four um it would depend on it would be depend on what the process is hmm. uh, what about you well the reason why i bring it up is because it is a question that i expect people to to bring up more but they don't tend to the reason why i expect people to bring it up more is because there is the approach nowadays that people assume that the ancients and ancient peoples knew more about magic and stuff than we do now, which is both true and false, because it depends on who you're talking about, both ancient wise and also modern wise. Um, but they kind of romanticize the view that there's secret hidden knowledge that is lost, which there's a lot of stuff like that that is lost. However, they then try to reverse engineer and find it. So if you've got something like you've spoken about Kaithi or Keithi and that incense from Egypt, um, they would attempt to try and find out what the ingredients were listed on some papyrus or something. And you can find people that have already done research like that in history and such. So that's all well and good. You've also got the perspective of, oh, we found this random potion or something in a tomb. Why don't we do some sort of, well, I don't know, whether multispectral analysis of what's actually in it and see what we can find out that it contains, oh, look, it's jars of honey type situation, um, which is another approach because that's like more of a chemist's approach to yeah. things. Um, but then you've got more of a magical practitioner's approach, which sometimes can take you off in a tangent. So when I did Kaithi, Kaithi research, obviously you had some listed in terms of the formulas and you were able to say exactly what pyri they came from, when, you know, the age, date range, all that sort of was, dynasties and stuff like that. Whereas when I took up the approach of making it, I didn't get the formula formula, I got the concept of it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that came through was the concept and the manufacturing process. Because I did the more intuitive type thing or the pulling in of information. And I got the, okay, we're starting with the process. And I was like, no, I want the ingredients. No, we're starting with the process. There needs to be a dry, there needs to be a wet. Dry, wet, opposites, right? And like stuff like that. I was like, right, okay, all right, I'll humor you, I'll carry on. You can't get this, so you'll use this. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not a original recipe. It's like, well, do you want it to work or not? because if yeah. you use that it's not going to work i'm like oh okay because the point in which you're kind of like first off you need to think about what is it that you're trying to make work or make happen and people think of it in terms of oh there's an old incense or there's an old remedy for something nowadays we would think like it would be stupid to say ah the legendary penicillin i know you're coming down with the sniffles, we'll get a load and we'll inject you with it. Hmm. <laughs> and it's like, mm, I'm not entirely sure whether that's a good idea. And maybe the person is allergic to penicillin. You know, that kind of thing is like, people don't really think about that. People don't think about, well, maybe this was super specific. You're trying to recreate a formula and you're base you're reducing it down to this is for every use you can use it for anything or like the legends of it maybe are true um i don't know i like the whole four thieves thing because whenever you get four thieves vinegar the whole thing that you get if you try to pull in information on it is usually the process and the purpose of it and the story you get the formula as in an equation not as in it's more like algebra it's more like this equals or this component part feels more like a tarot spread you know when you get these tarot spreads and it yeah. says i'm not telling you what the card is i'm telling you when you put the card in there that's what it means that bit's the past that bit's the present and that bit's the future whereas people are like 
no, 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 I want to know what card should be there. No, 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 you need to understand first that that one is where it goes there and you pull one. That is the past. That is the present and that was the future. But when you read a thousand years ago, which one went in the present, which one went in the past and which one went in the future? And I'll just do the same thing, surely. And it don't work out like that. No. Well, this, this is the thing. This is the thing for me with the with the Kaifi part mm. is the fact, well, at that point, they would have used these for a specific reason. So mm. if, you know, ultimately the goal was to provide a sacred space that would have allowed a particular deity to exist in that space. So mm -hmm. if you don't know who's who you're inviting, why would you just follow a recipe? But this we have the same problem every time we talk about fucking magic circles, don't we? Is oh, it's the God. same concept is, well, if you don't know those people that you're calling, why are you calling them just because the book says mm. like and I think with Kaifi, there's there's a similar process there of of people will kind of go, well, it's it's the way it was done. So we've got to do it that way. Um, and I think for me, Kaifi. I wanted an original recipe, but not because it's an original recipe. What I should see the kernel. <laughs> yeah, what I'm interested about is actually what was different about the time they were trying to use it in that century to that century, yeah. and that that interests me because I'm wondering by figuring out what that combination is. I will have some kind of inkling as to what they were trying to bring in. Mm. Um, but you've got to understand the context for those and they won't be written down in the book mm. um, because all that would be written is to remind themselves this combination worked mm. the same way when you read a, a magician's manual, all you're going to see is these are the ingredients that worked mm. um, again with a lot of the, the old herbals they just say which herbs, not necessarily how much of, mm. you know, um, it's our Disney representation and our kind of a mythology kind of representation that says, you know, um, Macbeth, eye of, eye of newt, tongue of dog, or whatever it is, um, mm. is just listing the ingredients to make mm. sure that people know what the ingredients are. Mm. Um, they're not telling you how much of each. Mm. Oh yeah. Or how yeah. or or how those items are combined. Mm. Are they combined all at the same time? Or is the process involved in actually adding them over time at particular points in the cycle? You know, we both talk about Kaifi a lot because it's kind of that um pinnacle of a particular kind of craft. Mm. Um, you know, it was the kind of um, you know, masterpiece of of the kind of uh, herbals of old is having something like that all the kind of fourth thieves vinegar they are kind of these perfect representations which is why it starts with the like you say e equals mc squared is more what it's like than algebra it's actually mm. this is a representation of what power is required mm. um you need to understand what all these ingredients do in order to actually make any sense of what's being asked of you. Um, and yeah, I my interest in Kaifi is, is or Kifi is more a case of understanding what they were trying to pull in more specifically. Um, because they, they're talked about in the old manuals by people that weren't part of those initiated spaces. Mm, yeah. Um, so actually, would they have known other than a list mm. of what was actually in them or how they were made? Um, you know, so I kind of that for me is what particularly interests me about those kind of processes mm. is figuring that out. So if you formulated, because I know you haven't made any at least this century, um, Kaifi, <laughs> but if you formulated it, because we had a working document and I went off on one tangent going for the creation of Magician's Kaifi for a project I was working on, and you went more true to the traditional, but then we both took the approach of 
what would Kaifi be if the Egyptians moved to Scotland or something, can't that? <laughs> yeah. Would they be using the same recipe or would it have evolved? Yeah. Well, ultimately, you've got different uh, different kind of environmental factors, I think is why I'm interested in that way, is the fact of if you're in the desert, um, mm. you're going to need something that is, one, not going to spoil in the desert, um, but that could be stored quite easily and then reconstituted quite easily by applying heat. Um, you know, also, you know, it's not going to spoil because of the amount of honey that's in it, um, that sort of thing that kind of is trying to get you all the resins are in there. Oh, OK, well, this you can then start to figure out if you've got enough knowledge kind of going, oh, OK, well, it's got lots of mastic in. So we know that's that's designed to make it less smokeless um, and those sorts of things. Um, but then, you know, the frankincense would would balance out some of the scent flavors that is going on and you just start to kind of work your way through the list but the only way that works is if you have a knowledge of those particular uh, ingredients otherwise you wouldn't know don't put too much of that in and you know loads of that um so mm. i don't know i i never finished that project it's one of those ones that kind of like I dip in and out of as I get a new new bit of inspiration for it mm -hmm. um, because I don't I've never really considered it a marketable product and then obviously those take priority um, yeah I mean if you were going to make actual kaifi it would be too expensive for most people to buy I looked in the region of 10 pounds per like the cheapest you could probably make it for would be 10 pounds per incense um well i thought about making incense pyramids but if you wanted to make balls then you'd be talking 10 pounds a ball which means 100 pounds would get you 10. you know yeah uh, it's yeah. very expensive but then i took the approach for magicians kaiki because what i got was uh ritual use and i got for okay if you could only ever choose one one incense and you could ever use one incense, only ever use one incense, what incense would that be and how would you create it? For me, it was a case of, okay, so I need to build an incense that produces a uh, working top, a worktop, a workstation, workspace, that kind of thing. It is literally a case of to wipe out anything that's already there rebalance all the energies and to make a nice firm foundation for whatever work you're doing whether it be invocation evocation um spellcraft anything like that so my approach which is why i relabeled it magician's kaifi because it was inspired by the kaifi of egypt or really is it is it egypt or is it greco egyptian it's kind of greco egyptian, greco -Egyptian. I, haven't, I haven't really seen any really early copies mm anything kind of um really pre-ptolemies but that mm. um you know which is a long period of time there were plenty mm. of ptolemies but do you just kind of like you know it's it's kind of post alexander great it's not really mm. before um so the yeah so it's just it's one of those one of those things where it's intriguing and it's a good thought exercise but actually how practical is it what I find really interesting about all of them um, is none of them include, bearing in mind they had access to all sorts of things, none of them actually contain any hallucinogenics. Mm, so yeah. what that tells me, and I, you know, is that they didn't need them. Yeah. So the people using the kaifi weren't looking at, at it from a an assist. Mm. They weren't looking for an astral assist in any way, shape or form. What they were looking for is creating the right kind of um interesting offering or bait yeah <laughs> to me that kind of it i kind of often consider it to be bait um mm. an enticement rather than yeah you know so you're either looking at my um, uh cheese on the mousetrap or water in the fishbowl depending on what the use yeah. would potentially be or potentially both essentially potentially both Mm. um depending again depending on what they were trying to pull in um but then obviously you know even just knowing it's greco egyptian mm. kind of then starts to see a different relationship with 
um, with their energetic helpers um, and their deities. So, you know, mm. an you know, a truly Egyptian kefi, what actually would that look like? And that to me is a thought exercise mm. um, because actually um, from my recollections, um, wasn't necessarily necessary. It wasn't necessarily necessary to um, have those in combination, because actually, a lot of them were pure energies. Mm. So you would use an individual scent rather than a combination of them, um, in, and that's how I've always, you know, would approach uh, the kind of less is more approach. Whereas, you know, um, the Greeks onwards are kind of throwing in that, well, if I throw enough at it, um, we'll see what sticks. Yeah. Is a, a very different approach kind of the, when you're getting to the kind of, yeah, that point in time. Because um, you're not even talking kind of archaic real Greek, you're talking practically Roman by that point. So you've kind of watered down what's available at that point um, by the fact that they've started to conglomerate rather than having this centre, which, you know, the Egyptians did very well of having this, this city is this deity mm, um, and yeah. not mix, not mixing their flavours. Mm. It's not until you get closer and closer to the, the kind of Romans that you start to mix, mm. thanks to Alexander the Great mostly, um, is this, you know, empire building. Let's mix this with that. Let's um, let's associate this with that because that way we're we'll... the complete opposite. Because if you mix cultures, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, you get but misappropriation. Yeah. Or is that there? Is it certain cultures? Is not. It's not. You're not. You are allowed to mix some cultures, aren't you? It's just not certain cultures. You're not allowed to, to mix. From what I understand, I don't know. Um, when I have the formulary, the the process and stuff from a more mercurial perspective, is I normally get some form of symbol. The symbol is like a a Rubik's cube or puzzle that needs solving. Mm. Um, and then it's a case of working through what each of those component parts of that symbol kind of means. So for the four thieves, there's four component parts, but they're all job roles, like you have a job role in a team or in a corporation or something like that. So it's a case of then you interview people or things for that job role. Keithy was very similar. There was a lot more job roles going on. So there was a lot more criteria to fill for each space although there was also more ingredients that you kind of it all fits into place and makes sense because the whole team gels essentially so like with the four thieves you've got four spaces four positions four herbs or things that you need to find to go in it and you interview them one at a time like plant spirit allies wise and you fill the positions one at a time but then they also have to be synergistic so they have to agree and work with each other you can't have one in there that dislikes the other one and if they do then it needs to be a reason for that you know there needs to be a that is essentially their job because you're not necessarily going to have uh if you've got someone that's in charge of internal affairs they're probably not going to be that well liked. All of the others are going to be suspicious of it and such. So, you know, it's not like everything needs to be 100% cohesive, but there needs to be a reason for any friction, essentially. Same with the Keithy. So you have the process that started to reveal itself and then these positions, I needed to find something to fill. And I tried to start with what I could find from the research that others had done, you know, is it red wine? Is it frankincense? What's going on? What type of frankincense is it? Is there are multiple types of frankincense? And it did get quite complicated, but then something evolved in the end, you know, which is a little bit different than just, ah, because that's what I've done when I've done the research for things like the Shakespeare and that sort of stuff. Because we, if you look in one book, 
oh, this is such and such, this means that, or this used to be known as that. And then you go in another book that goes into more details. Most scholars agree that it's more than likely this. And then you go even deeper and it's a case of one person who's an expert thinks it's this, one person who's an expert thinks it's that. This is the reason why that person thinks what they do. And this is the reason why the other person thinks what they do. And it's like, oh, all of a sudden it went from this is actually that to it yeah. might be that or it might be something else to all of the people that study this for a living can't really fucking decide. And there's yeah. so much of that within, you know, anything really when we get. It's only through ignorance that we have uh, the correct answers. Is that somewhat profound? I don't know. The fact <laughs> come from ignorance, I'm not entirely sure. I, I'm, I don't know. I mean, there are still people that think the earth is flat, so... Um, I think what it comes down to in, you know, kind of post-scientific method is mm. will it will always come down to what can I prove? Mm. Um, and prove suggests that if you did it again, you would get the same result. Mm. Um, and actually, I think what's difficult, I know it definitely was difficult for me trying to justify some of the things I know to be true um is finding the evidence to prove them mm. um and if the evidence just isn't there and that's mm. because we either haven't found it um or you know too many years of the same kind of experiment has led science in a different direction mm. then that's very hard to reverse on because of how many people have written and said this is true um so i think it's it's trickier once something becomes kind of scientific fact or you know um ego comes into it a lot of the time because the whole point of science i always used to think was that it is inquisitive by nature but it's very scary how many people for not necessarily scientists but people from what they consider to be a skeptics or scientists background despise the idea of redoing experiments yeah it's like well no we don't redo that we don't ever do that again it's like you kind of get used to doing experiments in school and being marked on your results oh you didn't do that properly there because you got this result instead of that it's kind of like the very nature of passing knowledge down to students that are younger and you yeah. know passing knowledge on means that you kind of you repeat the process of scientific exploration you just do it really fucking quickly we don't need to do a thousand attempts on making a light bulb work we can just reverse engineer an, a light bulb and then a shitter light bulb and mm. compare the difference potentially um i don't I know also, what that comes down I, to with magic though <laughs> i also think there's a i think where where magic magical practitioners are at least imagine that magical practitioners at least sit outside of that normal dichotomy that kind of goes is it a belief or is it a fact um it is is by you know because i had a similar experience today where i was kind of like ah oh, interesting as soon as people start to become experts hmm. their view becomes more and more narrow Mm. Um, because they either only spend time with one particular set of ingredients or whatever. Um, they can become better and better at that, yeah. but often um, can't see the bigger pit, you know, aren't able to really see the other points of view anymore. Um, so obviously in the course I was at today, we got talking about allergies um, mm. because the pollen count was particularly high today here. Um, and, you know, you'd got kind of two moments of kind of where, where obviously my herbalist friend who happens to be on the course who's a clinical herbalist is kind of going straight down the route of probiotics. Mm. And you just kind of like, why would you go th down other than being selling your brand, which is, you know, as a herbalist, there is that aspect of going here is or that not. medicine no here's <laughs> here's that medicine kind of that i will provide you with a medicine and answer to the problem when actually you know my response was well you know 
if you're eat, consuming local honey, mm. you know, in the winter, in preparation for the next year, so you're taking in last year's goodness mm. and um, pollen from that region and then using that as a prophylactic mm. for the following year um, has that potential. And it was just kind of like you, you saw the physical, the, like the very physical shudder mm. on her face and body because for her she just offered what she would consider to be real medicine, mm. um, which is interesting in itself because lots of people in the entire world would be like, that's a load of hocus pocus and would yeah. compare both of those as superstition mm. and wouldn't validate her, um, you know, very valid uh, medical training. But the difference is uh, in that moment, my phrase and my my mention is undermining what she'd said. Mm. So suddenly, like you say, an ego part comes in, even though actually we were talking about the same thing. Um because I'd just been having a conversation about, um, you know, the gut biome mm. um, and how more and more research is being done about the gut biome nowadays and actually starting to think we focus far too much on the head and we don't think enough about the, the endocrine or the metabolic. Mm. We focus so much on what's going on up here, um, mm. even though people describe anxiety as a lot of people explain and describe the feeling of anxiety as kind of butterflies in the stomach, stomach mm. churning, all those kind of phrases are used and we ignore that and go, it must be a brain problem because it's mental health. Um, and don't actually think about, well, actually, are you more prone to it based on your gut and not mm. your head? Um, and the transfer of discussion between the two. So, you know, we were already having a, well, me and the people around me were having a different conversation than somehow we got onto allergies. Um, I was talking about the very controversial idea of um, trying to figure out if where autism sits, because mm. there is a lot of research being done about actually how much about the the gut actually has an impact um, because a lot of kind of autism spectrum disorders are quite hormone based and actually is that coming from the stomach end and not the brain end mm. um, obviously it's scary when you start to have those sorts of conversations because people then start to think oh well if you change your diet you stop being autistic um, yeah. when it's, it's not that strictly that simple but the point is kind of like actually there's a relationship that somewhere along the lines we've forgotten about mm. um well i don't know i mean if you look at some of these essential oil companies they go on about you just need oh you've got your kids got autism you need this essential oil <laughs> to feed it <laughs> twice a day and it's like okay interesting it really helps helps with what what does it do how does it work what effect does it have so do the Fausty ones have any sort of remedies or stuff like that? Any secret knowledge of remedies and things or uh, daily or weekly or yearly remedies and such that you have and take personally that is hidden in plain sight? Because a lot of people think, oh, the, it needs to be in a weird shaped bottle with some kind of weird colouring and have potion written on the sides of it. But actually, do you work any of this into your everyday life? But others would merely just think, that's not magic. But in reality, it is. Well, you know my answer to that. A lot of that is the mineral waters. Hmm. So kind of water is very much the flow for me hmm. um, throughout the year. So I probably do more treating of my body, hmm. as it were with fluids mm. than anything else um because that's normally where i recognize it most so if i um am feeling run down then my eyes dry out and my throat dries out that sort of thing um or you know for me particularly being a pisces obviously mm. um 
I see it on my feet. So mm-hmm. um, kind of like the soles of my feet dry out or um, that sort of thing. And they suddenly go, oh, okay. Um, I need to pay attention to that because mm-hmm. um, that shouldn't be happening. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's the flow of water, but sounds a little bit cliche being a Pisces and all. But, hmm. um, you know, um, but yeah, so a lot of a lot of that for me, it, which sounds really, really silly, um, kind of talking about it. But the yeah, my intake of water is the thing I pay most attention to. Hmm. Interesting. I have porridge, uh, which I people don't understand. necessarily see as, as magical, but it really is a magical potion because it evolves and changes through the year, as I do. Because the only thing that's consistent about my porridge is there's five scoops of porridge. The milk that I use changes depending on the time of year. The seeds, nuts and things that go in it changes um it's april it's just turned april so like you said about the honey because i get um hay fever so april i have a jar of honey so there will be honey that goes in the porridge for the next couple of months funnily enough until the jars run out Hmm. so it's not like a specific measure of okay it's this amount of time it will be one teaspoon of honey that goes on i have three jars and it runs out normally around june-ish sort of time so it's not really that's a little bit more old world uh dosage <laughs> as opposed yeah. to modern um because nowadays what they would try to do is try to work out how strong the honey is where it comes from and then um put it in some sort of veggie capsule where i'm still like an old granny and measuring out things in spoons <laughs> which i literally do um but yeah that changes in, in the winter i have cow milk in the summer i have oat milk or hazelnut milk um and there's all reasons for it like my porridge and stuff like that it evolves naturally but it's cyclical uh but i don't really have to put much thought into it it just feels like the time to start changing up and it changes up and when i look into it it obviously gets changed for a reason Mm. um but no one would ever think twice about you having porridge and yet, if you started drinking some kind of weird liquid, first thing they want to know is what is it? Oh, it's a witch's potion. Well, my witch's potion is a porridge-based potion, mm. um, which it does have herbal and medicinal and magical components to it. But it blends in perfectly. I can't stand porridge. No. Um, interestingly, to kind of compare that though my um my herbalist friend having stayed with her many a times um she has a kind of her morning ritual in, involves uh, muesli oh, okay. in that kind of swiss way where it's kind of like just a handful of oats mm. um mixed with nuts and seasonal fruit and and then greek yogurt and double cream mm. um it kind of is allowed to get to temperature um, and he's eaten warm. And I've had it a few times with her when I've been there and I feel amazing having had mm. it, but it's not something I've ever put into mm. my life because I don't actually enjoy breakfast. Mm. I don't like eating before a certain time in the day. Mm. Um, it actually makes me feel worse generally. Mm. Um, you know, if I eat before 11, it means I, normally it means i've had a bad night and i woke up oh hangover um, no as in like i didn't sleep well oh so that's normally my body going yeah so whereas my generally speaking if i've had a good night's sleep i'm not hungry till about 11. Mm. um so yeah but like i said that's my my balance is often is water-based so mm. my body being allowed to have enough time or the right kind of sleep in order to balance my waters out again that's mm. um yeah 
Whereas, no, no I don't have any I, secret. I think it comes to a certain extent from a witchy aesthetic, because there's witchy aesthetics that still aren't considered witchy. So, like, under the boiler, I have several jars, nice kilner jars, obviously, um, all matching. And one's got uh, porridge in. I have protein powder, creatine monohydrate, one with seeds one with dried fruits and one with whatever the seasonal thing is and there might be something else which makes up my porridge it literally looks like one of those witchy apothecary type cabinet type things except mm. nothing in there or mine is maybe if there's herbs or anything like that it just looks like a kitchen but when you look at kind of witchy stuff the first thing that they would go to is let's have a bunch of dried herbs because it's always got to be dried herbs we can't put porridge in or we can't put um, nuts in, or we can't put anything like that in. It's got to be herbs, because that's what witches use in it. That's yeah. what's in all the films. Uh, maybe some dried snake skin or something. Um, but they would probably make some sort of tea. So they would go out of their way in order to make a medicinal tea or a magical tea or something like that and incorporate that into their cleansing or in their, to their ritual and that kind of thing, which I have done that before when I've not been very well. I've made a medicinal tea that's designed to last for X amount of time. And I know when I've drunk it or when I've used it up, I'll be over. It'll be over. I won't. I will either be dead or I will be back together again. So far, I've always been back together again, back to health. Um, but it should really, I think, the sign of a good magical practitioner is to take something that you already do and apply the magic to something you already do and change it a little bit. Because adopting habits from a human psychology perspective can be quite difficult. Like I tried to do this... Um, taking uh vitamin d3 because we don't have a huge amount of sun in this country and i know it's good for you so i was trying to take a vitamin d3 tablet every day do you know how fucking difficult that is it's unbelievably difficult i never ever used to do it despite buying one of those fucking little capsules old people put their medications in it's just impossible for me to adopt something like that uh but porridge changing the porridge slightly that's really really easy and like i tried to do that with other people we had a little chat with someone um or i was talking to uh someone that's had an issue they are now undergoing physiotherapy and i said well we need to put some energy into this we need to do some energetic physiotherapy so when you're given these physiotherapy exercises to do what magic are you doing at the same time or well, i'm not so okay so you already know enough about energy manipulation. You're already good at it. What ideas can you come up with that mirror and add magic to each of these exercises that you're doing? Really good. Good for recovering. Good for practicing magic and such. You're having to sit there and do these exercises literally every single day. You might as well add some magic to it. You might as well add some psychic development to it, you know, which the person's taking that idea and kind of ran with it, which is nice. But things like that, be we again, we've spoken to before about magic and the mundane being divorced. And I, it must partly be psychological, you know, but that's probably due to a lot of people thinking magic is like a, a, a toy or a, a hobby or something like that. Or maybe it's some of these kind of stuff that come up from the ceremonial magicians in the Wiccans in the 1950s and such, whereby magic is sacred. And therefore, it needs to be conducted on when you're fasted and clean in a clean environment. You know, very anti-witchy. That that's very religious and thou I oh thou I am not worthy type thing. That's not very very witchcraft. It's kind of like survivalist, isn't it? Hmm. Oh well. Anything you want to say in the last minute or so? No, hopefully, hopefully they've learned something or at least given them food for thought. Mm. Um, I think the emphasis often is about like liking the um, the comments we make about correspondences is that people have a tendency to focus on well, what has somebody else written about that? Um, mm. And it really doesn't matter going, you know, focusing again a little bit on gut biome is no one's gut is the same as somebody else's mm. um the same way energetically none of you are the same mm. so you may have lots of similarities but energetically you're not the same so 
you are not going to interact with that ingredient or that food or whatever it is that you're interacting with in exactly the same way. Mm. So, you know, even if you're part of the same tradition um, and learn from the same practitioners, ultimately your magic's going to be different mm. um, because you are different. Mm. So how that is constructed and how that's delivered is is completely different. So why why focus on necessarily what everything else who you know what everybody else has written about that thing if you know it to be true then you know it to be true mm. so we talked about herbs and stuff so what's our herb of the day what can we have as a herb of the day got one anything spring to mind well, no it can't remember. be rosemary that's our yeah. herb of the century that's the herb of the century um Uh, sweet woodruff. Sweet woodruff. There we go. Herb of the day, sweet woodruff. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, then find out what it is, innit? Anyway, over and out. Just assume we're waving goodbye. 